With the 29th choice in the 2006 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Nick Mangold, center from Ohio State. What you're getting with Nick Mangold is a solid technician, understands the game. I think he's a great fit. How bad do you want? How bad do you want to beat your man? How bad do you want that win? We get here for one thing, one thing only. You get a win. Beat your man, and we win. We get the opportunity tonight to go out there and dominate. Dominate on three. One, two, three. Dominate. Welcome to the next episode of What's Next with Eric Wood. Presented by Green Remedy. This week's guest is Nick Mangold, formerly of the New York Jets, a guy who I played against. Now, he played offense and so did I, so we didn't line up against each other, but we played against each other 18 times. My nine years throughout my career, he was with the Jets the entire time. This is a guy who I've looked up to for a long time. He was drafted a few years before me, 29th overall, and when Nick went in the first round, that showed me to me, that was the first center I saw get drafted in the first round that, that it hit me like, I can do this. And not that I'm as good as Nick or, or thought I was at the time. It just showed me, hey, an Ohio kid, a former GCL, the Greater Catholic League in Ohio, he was a part of the same league. If I work hard enough, maybe I can be a first rounder too. But I think you guys will enjoy this podcast today. We talk about guys that we both played against many, many times, guys like Vince Wilfork, Kyle Williams. We talk about former teammates of ours, a guy that's becoming a common theme, Ryan Fitzpatrick, throughout the show, and find out what Nick's up to now. We both retired the same year, and we'll figure out what Nick's up to now. So enjoy the show. Today's show is brought to you by our title sponsor, Green Remedy. Green Remedy is a company based out of Louisville that I have grown to love. I use their full-spectrum CBD oil products to help with pain, anxiety, and sleep. I've loved using this product, and I love how clean their product is. I have seen the raw materials from the farm, and I was walked through the entire process. I am passionate about getting people off medications, and using an 100% all-natural product like this is so much better for you than pumping pills all day, anti-inflammatories, and, and, and stuff that I had to do throughout my career to get by. And now that I'm done, I, I'm not pain-free but this CBD oil has helped dramatically and get me off of all those anti-inflammatories and painkillers that, that are so bad for you. Go to greenremedy.com and use code EWOOD70 at checkout to get 10% off your order and use the auto ship feature so that you can stay consistent because you will love the results. Again, that's greenremedy.com, code EWOOD70. I am down here at the 2019 NFL Draft down in Nashville, joined by... Fellow longtime AFC East center, um, Nick Mangold. It's an honor to have you on the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I really love what you've done with the place. Yeah, we um, are in my hotel room at the JW. This is magical. Like, I could not have expected anywhere better. Yeah, um, and, and it's just the two of us in here. If we had another, I'd get a photograph to document, but I, yeah, it just I might have to take a selfie on the bed. Yeah. Because there's only one bed. There's not even double beds. Nope. That's a single. <laughs> well, this is it, it would be more awkward if me and my wife got uh, two beds. So, Well, that's old school, you know, like 50s style. Right. right. I hear that's coming back. We digress quickly. I can do that quickly. Sorry. Yep, yep. Let's jump right in. Um, we are both Ohio guys, both GCL guys, mm-hmm. uh, the greatest conference in the country for high school sports. Of course. Talk to me about what sports you played growing up, um, you know, kind of through high school. So my uh, my parents were big into the 
every season has a sport, and you have to at least do something. I, uh, they didn't care what we did, but it just we had to do something. So, uh, you know, fall was football. Um, winter was basketball up until the point it was about seventh grade. I realized that the only thing I could do in basketball was rebound. I couldn't dribble, shoot, uh, pass, um, anything else. And so that's when I realized that wrestling was, you know, the way I had to go. Uh, so wrestling was winter and then, uh, spring was baseball up until the kids learned how to throw curveballs. I was the same. And then I was out. So then I went to track and field, um, more of the field, less track, um, shot put, uh, couldn't do the discus cause I got dizzy. Um, and then summer was swimming. And so they just kind of rolled through. Um, and, my, my parents kept us active, kept us moving. Um, and you know, you look at, especially in the NFL, the 2018 NFL draft, 31 out of the 32, um, first round draft picks were multiple lettermen in high school. Wow. And so to see parents today stick their kid in one sport and make them do that year round, uh, is really hurting them in their development and, you know, making them well-rounded, uh, not only, you know, physically, but I think getting the option or getting the opportunity to have, Individual sports, team sports, getting all those different uh, communities together, and, and uh, you know, I think it's disappointing a little bit. Yeah, I received a, an award at Elder recently uh, for athletics, and that was my main talking point was to all the parents in attendance, I know you think you're helping your kid by letting him play baseball all year round or basketball or strictly focus on football and start training from a very early age. And in the short term, yes, it, it may – make them excel above their peers at age 11. But if you truly want them to succeed in high school, let them be really well-rounded. And who knows? I mean, when I was younger, I thought I was going to be a basketball player. Thank God I didn't specialize and give up football because I was not going to make any money playing basketball. No. And, and I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with your point more. And what it's leading to now is a lot of Tommy John surgeries for these kids playing baseball at age 15 and you got all these basketball players with shin problems and knee problems from pounding on the hardwood all year round and, and it's not good for them but it's AAU programs that make a lot of money it's flag football leagues that make a lot, a lot of money, of money. there's 6,000 travel baseball players in youth sports in Louisville, Kentucky alone. Oh, I mean, yeah, I can't see, imagine these big cities. No, nah, and it's rough. And I, I see uh, kids, you know, as my kids are going through school, um, you know, you have the not only travel baseball, you have travel soccer, you have travel lacrosse, hockey. And, you know, these kids are like, oh, well, we had a tournament in uh, Western PA last weekend, and now we have to go down to Maryland for a tournament next week. And I was like, this is ridiculous. You're, you're depriving these children of their, you know, their childhood like they don't they just don't have time to be kids right which is disappointing talk to me about your recruiting process and and how you ultimately landed on ohio state i I know for most kids growing up in ohio either ohio state or if you're a catholic kid like we were notre dame as well as a big lore how did your recruiting process go process go down uh you know it's funny you bring up the uh the the catholic angle to it so uh going through recruiting um i I was getting you know you get those little pamphlets and everything and like the questionnaires and you fill them out and send them back to the colleges so i was getting a handful of those and all of a sudden i got a call from uh, the offensive line coach down in clemson this is uh the spring junior year and he you know we talked for a half hour on the phone and a week later, I get a letter in the mail and says, we're offering you a full scholarship. I was like, wow, this is crazy. I love it. That was it. your first one? That was my first one. Wow, and that's a good one. Yeah, it was, it, and it came out of nowhere. Like, it was just a conversation on the phone with a coach. And so I was talking to my mom. We ended up driving down to Clemson to visit. They had, like, a one-day, two-day camp type thing. So we did that. 
And, you know, I'm sitting there, I get back, I'm talking to my coach, and like, oh, listen, coach, this might be my only one. Like, maybe I should take it now, commit, and get it. And he goes, no, 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 wait. And I had, over the summer, I had lined up uh, going to Ohio State's camp and then Notre Dame's camp. And so I go to Ohio State's, did uh, relatively decent. They offered me a scholarship there. And then I went to Notre Dame's, and they offered me a scholarship. So I had Clemson and then Notre Dame and Ohio State, and that was it. Those were my three scholarships, which, you know, was pretty awesome to have. Right. And so it took me about a week and a half. Uh, my mom wanted me to go to Notre Dame because she is uh, the good Catholic that she is. My dad, being an Ohioan, wanted me to go to Ohio State. And so, you know, the forces uh, prevailed, and I ended up at Ohio State. I couldn't leave uh, the great state of Ohio uh, when I had the opportunity. So uh, that's how I ended up at Ohio State. But what really gets funny, and, you know, being from Ohio, you'll, you'll appreciate this. All those pamphlets, you know, you get them. And I, and I got, you know, random ones, you know, University of Hawaii. Uh, you know, I got one from Harvard. It was like, this is a throwaway. But, you know, right. I'll, I'll fill it out <laughs> and send it back. <clears throat> and so I'm sitting there. This is after I signed my letter of intent. And, in, you know, so that's what, like February of my senior year. I'm sitting there just kind of hanging out, talking with my, my head coach at the time. And I, I said, you know, I, I got a bunch of letters and those questionnaires and everything. But. I never heard from Michigan. It was, you know, the strangest thing. All the Big Ten schools, all the Mac schools, but, you know, I never, not one postcard, not nothing. And he goes, oh, no, you got a lot of stuff from Michigan. I was like, no, I didn't get anything. He goes, oh, yeah, you got it, but I threw it away. No wow. player of mine's going to Michigan. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's wow. That's hilarious. I loved it. Yeah. I was like, that's yeah. just, that's that, how it is. That hatred runs deep in oh, Ohio for deep. Michigan. It's in the water. Yeah, it is for sure. I, I didn't grow up a huge Buckeye fan. But that that rivalry takes over the state. I mean, it's phenomenal. We got we have Louisville, Kentucky down in Kentucky, but that's more <laughs> basketball. You know yeah. what I mean? The the best football rivalry in the country is Ohio State Michigan, right? I that's what I'd like to believe. You know, everyone anyone who's got a big rivalry is always like, oh, we're the best. But I, I like to think, you know, Ohio State Michigan. You know, with all of uh, the history. And everything, even though right now it's kind of a lopsided battle where we're dominating because Michigan sucks, um, it, it's it's one of the best things in, in college football and I think in college sports in general. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. We're down here for the NFL draft. We are both announcing second-round picks as former first-rounders um, from our prospective teams. Talk to me about your draft experience. Did you think you were going to be a first-rounder at that time? I believe they weren't bringing many guys to the draft, similar to my year so. Where were you at? And, and talk about that experience. So coming out uh, my senior year, I was projected as a mid-round, mid-third round draft pick. And so for me, I had to, you know, I went to the Senior Bowl, uh, had to do everything at the Combine, you know, and just hope for the best. And so after the Combine, um, you know, I'm sitting there and they're like, well, you know, you're, you're probably you know, second round. Maybe you'll get into the first. You know, we'll see how it plays out. I ended up taking zero visits to any teams. Wow. Um, which really scared me because at the time, uh, my roommate, A.J. Hawk, longtime linebacker for the Green Packers, was flying all over the country. Right. I mean, he was crisscrossing the country, visiting every team. And I, at one point, I finally had to call my agent. I was like, um, so he's been to like 20 teams. I haven't been to one. I don't think I'm getting drafted. He goes, no. You know, they saw you at the Senior Bowl. You did everything at the Combine. You know, teams know what they know what they saw, and they're done. And I was like, all right, we'll see. Uh, so I really, uh, I was at that point kind of expecting not to be drafted. And so I was sitting, uh, at home in Dayton, Ohio, uh, day of the draft. Actually, I was late. Uh, I didn't realize what time it started. I was on the golf course. Uh, so That's I missed the funny. first four, four or five picks. Um, and so then I got home, sitting on the couch, 
just kind of waiting. Um, and, you know, when the phone rang, uh, I talked to Eric Mangini, Mike Tannenbaum, and then uh, the equipment guy, I guess. And, you know, it was just, it was kind of a whirlwind from there, you know, heading to New York. Yeah, that's incredible. And for an, for an Ohio guy that's been in his high school ball or, you know, up through high school and then stayed through college, how was the transition to Manhattan? So it was. I say Manhattan, New Jersey, but. New Jersey. Well, even at the time, it was Long Island. Oh, gotcha. Uh, the Jets were still at Hofstra on Long Island. So uh, for a kid who was raised in Ohio for 22 years, um, heading out to Long Island was a interesting experience. Um, and, you know, we, we spent two and a half years in Long Island uh, before the facility moved to Jersey. And then uh, so we moved out to Jersey, fell in love with the area. Uh, we've been there ever since. That's incredible. Talk to me about some of your top moments with the Jets. You have tons of individual accolades, seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, known for the longest time as the best center in the NFL or, or top two at all times when you were playing. Absolutely incredible career. What were some of your top moments, though? Was it AFC Championship games? Was it specific games? Well, always beating the Buffalo Bills. It was a fantastic time, uh, obviously. But <laughs> I, I should have looked up in advance what our records were against each other. I got to believe it was pretty tight. Because there were there were a handful of years where, um, especially later on, you guys beat us like a drum, and then but every, like two thousand nine, ten, eleven, I feel like we were beating you. Yep. And so I feel like it's probably close to five hundred. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, it would it would have to be. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get we'll, dive into the Google world after. We'll this. look that up, and it'll be in the intro. <laughs> um, you know, for me, I, some of the great moments, uh, you know, obviously. Uh, the back-to-back AFC championship runs, um, you know, uh, those are bittersweet, you know, because you you are able to get far enough but not be able to finish is, is difficult. But uh, during those runs, you know, it was a special time. Um, and then after that, it's really just the, the memories made with the guys um, either on the field or in the locker room, in the weight room, cafeteria. Uh, a, a good fortune of being around some amazing people. Uh, and those are the things that I – uh, I look back on uh, fondly. Yeah, for a guy that only played in one playoff game and had countless losing seasons up in Buffalo, it's amazing how much I still cherished all those times and the times in the locker room. And I talked to someone recently, and and they said, just you're never going to find another job that pays you that amount of money and you joke around like you do. So don't ever try and replicate it. Appreciate it for what it was. Cherish the memories when you get back with guys, tell stories. But don't ever try and replicate that in business. One, because you'll probably get sued, <laughs> you know, making the, the type of off-color jokes that we were always making. And, uh, and two, uh, the competitiveness, the how intense it was day to day. You're just never going to replicate it. So appreciate it for what it was. Yeah, you really can't. And, you, you know, you try to as best you can. And there's there's a handful of things, you know, the camaraderie that you have in the locker room or, you know, uh, cafeteria, weight room. That's a huge one. There's also other things that uh, you don't really notice. A big one being the hot tub, cold tub situation. Um, I don't know what it's like in Louisville, but uh, where we are, there's no place where you can go where there's a hot tub right next to a cold tub. And I love the contrast. Yeah, you I'm can't big, get your contrast in. I can't get my contrast in, and it's killing me. And so, you know, that a big thing that came out of it was like, wow, I, you know, uh, I was telling my wife, it was like, yeah, you know, it used to, 
hot tub was right next to the cold tub. And, you do it. and she goes, well, you know, we, we have a bathtub in our room and there's a bathtub in the kids' room. So you put one in ice. And then I was like, no, it's not the same because then you have to walk down the hallway and you're getting water everywhere. And then I have to put ice in the tub. Like, it's just not the same because it's right there. Well, yeah. I know a good birthday present if uh, Mrs. Mangold tunes into the podcast, which she can get you. Uh-huh. Well, we have nowhere to put it. I've tried. I've looked every which way. Like, there's nowhere for a hot tub. you get tub, out of New tub. Jersey, you can get more space. Yeah, I know. We're stuck there. There's nothing I can do about that. But, you know, it would be nice. It would just – I don't understand why more people don't – you know, for those listening that may own a spa or a workout facility, why you don't have hot tub, cold tub available. Yeah, we have a cryo chamber at our gym that I utilize, but still not the same as getting in that hot tub and the cold tub. Yeah, that back and forth, feeling that blood rush and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's nothing better. Yeah, I loved it. That was That was part of my weekly routine. And I had to get it in on Saturday morning. So if we had to walk through, try and get to the airport really quick, I had to squeeze it in. Ooh. And it would just be like a nightmare trying to get to the plane. See, Saturdays for me were uh, just kind of a, a mellow day. Fridays were my big uh, recovery day. I referred to it as spa day Friday. Um, and so that was when I really I, I hit it harder with the stretching, the massage, the hot tub, cold tub, a little sauna, um, you know, some stretching in there. Like there was – there was a whole method to my madness of Friday, which I learned from uh, one of the greats, Alan Fanica. Uh, he took Friday. like uh, It was how he kept his body going. Uh, and it was pretty neat to see, so I kind of adopted that. That's cool. Let's talk about a guy we both played with. Um, he came up a couple podcasts ago with Fred Jackson, and we'll bring him up again. Perfect. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a quarterback that we both got the snap to. Um, and he is still playing. Still playing, He's, still grinding. Yeah, out. just going to set uh, a, an NFL record for starting for the most franchise in the NFL, a guy who I feel like everybody's played with nowadays. But uh, talk to me about your experience with Fitz. Yeah, so Fitz was uh, – he came in. You know, we had uh, Geno Smith as a starter then, and he came to us as a backup. Um, you know, and at first he was real quiet, just kind of, you know, finding his way about it and everything. Uh, and then – at some point, I think we either got on golf or uh, there was something where he was like, oh, you know, hey, grab my number, you know, and give me a call. And so uh, I was putting it in there, and he goes, oh, you know, fun fact, uh, Fitzpatrick, you know, in the old days, is really the bastard child of Patrick. That's the last name meaning. I was like, oh, that's awesome. So he is in my phone as Ryan, the bastard child of Patrick, and has that's been that funny. way. And so I get in trouble a lot of times because I'll, you know, going quick, I just, I'll type it, start typing in Fitz to text him and it won't come up because it's bastard child of uh, right. Fitz, uh, of Patrick. And so once, once he did that to me, I was like, well, I'm hooked. Like you're, you're funny and I, I like you, man. Right. Um, and it, it was just, it was neat. And I mentioned earlier, uh, being able to have a quarterback that was my own age was mm-hmm. pretty awesome as a center. Um, have not having that since college, you know, I, I came in a league with Chad Pennington then I went to, uh, Brett Favre. Uh, so I got older and right. then I went, <laughs> and then I went younger, uh, with Sanchez, uh, went even younger with Gino and then to have, um, Fitz come in. It was, it was kind of a, a neat, all right, I have references from childhood that you get that or you'll make something. And, you know, we have the same mutual experience of, of how we were brought up. Yeah, for sure. And and I have countless stories about Fitz, some of which appropriate for the podcast, some aren't. You mentioned Spa Day Friday. Well, when I first got in the league, Fitzpatrick was trying to mentor me. So instead of Spa Day Fridays, we did uh, Gouge Yourself with Food Fridays. Perfect. And we would leave the facility and go get lunch. Well, if we want, and we would eat 
just a ton of food and if you know from eating out with fits he'll order the whole menu just as a joke and he thinks it's hilarious and then and then guys, we all eat it <laughs> guys like us we get to be over 300 pounds because we're pickers and then we're full but we just keep eating a little bit more a little bit more well if we won then the next week you had to step it up so you had to order more and we got on a four-game win streak in 20 20- <laughs> 11 and we were just getting disgusting on fridays <laughs> but um yeah it's, 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 see there's you know multiple ways to go about doing the whole nfl career you got to gorge yourself with food fridays which i wish i would have been a part of i think that would have been a blast yeah it, it was a blast something i definitely ditched towards the later <laughs> part of my career when i was trying to feel better towards the end of the week and not have a stomach ache and not be able to eat dinner on friday night I get asked this every golf tournament I play in, every uh, event I go to. Everyone, How's your game? I am an eight index, but I'm just like, I mean, I could shoot a ninety and I could shoot a seventy-eight. How about you? That sounds fantastic. That's unbelievable. I love that. Uh, I'm barely breaking the nineties. Um, I'm in the high nineties consistently. But you have uh, four kids. I have four kids, so they they get in the way. But my little guy's starting to get into golf now, so. That's my new excuse. It's like, well, you know, he wants to go play, so I guess I have to go with him. That's going to take your game back to the next It's going to bring me – I put in a, one of those uh, practice pads in the backyard. You nice. know, like the driving range, and we got the wiffle balls. So I'm, nice. I'm, I'm starting – my swing's coming back around. I forgot about rotating. I was swaying for a while. It was terrible. I got but, a simulator in the basement, and it's oh, awesome. Those are great. Yeah. I love them. I wish I could have put one in. I didn't, but I, I could have. Um, but it was – it was for the kids, you another know. They good, they needed their play room. <laughs> they idea. needed their playroom, and so I, I, daddy lost out. But um, anyway, sorry. Well, I, no, yeah, I'm what, sure you had something important no, no, you were going with. No, that that was way better, and I, that was something I wanted to get to. Anyways, who's who did you feel like were the toughest guys to block? My answer to everybody is because it changed year after year, and a lot of times it was someone random in a contract year. Like, do you remember the year that Paul Soliai tore up the AFC East mm-hmm. when he was in his contract year? Yeah, and and everybody knows about J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald, but who did you feel like were the toughest guys to block? You know, I think the toughest guys for me, the contract guys I never really put as a, you know, that's who I'm going with because, you know, it was flash in the pan type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember playing against Albert Hainsworth when he was right before his contract. It was uh, ridiculous, but the guys that you know you knew were going to be battles. One uh, was your teammate Kyle Williams. Uh, I don't know how you dealt with that Great in practice. Player. Uh, he, he was, was like that every day in practice. I can't imagine that. That sounds terrible. Um, but he, unbelievable player. His technique was amazing. His strength is, um, you know, beyond what any normal human should have. Um, and then the other guy in in our division, Vince Wilford. Mm-hmm. You knew what you were getting. You know, game in and game out. It was always going to be a battle. And the thing that surprised me about Vince, uh, especially when I first came in, you see Vince and you see a, a massive human being. So you're like, all right, he's strong, you know, he's big, he's going to be tough to move. But his uh, explosion, his quickness is like a guy that was 280. And that's what made him, I think, almost impossible because you never knew when it was going to be uh, the time where he holds his ground and he's not moving or the time that he's shooting the gap. And uh, it was always a battle. Those were, those were my two big guys. Uh, that were always a pain and, of course, had to be in our division. Mm-hmm. When I would play against Vince, I would try and watch his feet to see if he's staggering. But you're right, it was so hard to get a beat on. And when he's two-gapping, if you assume he's penetrating and it's a run play, you're never going to move him because mm-hmm. you have to get some momentum. But if he's looking to make a move and shoot the gap and you fire off on him like he's going to be sitting there, he's going to smoke you. Yeah. So it was like you had to try and get a pre-snap read. And occasionally you could because – 
to get 330 moving forward. He's got to get a little bit of a little lean going. So he's got to get a little lean, and he might widen his alignment on you. But, man, he he was tough. And um, you you played against him even more times than I did. I felt like, you know, because even when he went to Houston, we were still playing him. All of a sudden, we started playing Houston, like, every year. I was like, wait a second. He left. Like, we shouldn't be playing him anymore. This is ridiculous. Yeah, but but a great dude. And a guy I talked to before and after games, and he came up this year for Thurman Thomas's – Jersey retirement or number retirement up in Buffalo, and mm-hmm. I got to connect with him. We shared a bunch of laughs, and oh, you know, times that you know he was also very good at getting a holding call called on you as the ball went by him. If he was not making the play, that it was the flail. biggest mm-hmm. flail flop, and we were cracking up talking about it at the time. You could have never got me to laugh watching that on film on Monday, but years later looking back it was funny. Yeah, he's and what's funny about him too is he's such a great guy and a fantastic competitor. Uh, he we were playing it was. Um, it was my second to last year, so it was 2015. Uh, we're down in Houston playing. Uh, we go out first series. Uh, we we go like three and out. You know, it's quick. We're coming off the field. I have a hand injury, um, so I have to go back into the locker room. Uh, our backup comes in. He ends up having to finish the game. But at halftime, Vince comes up to uh, the backup at the time and goes, hey, man, um, I, I just I want you to let Nick know that I'm praying for him. Wow. And um, which I, I really appreciate and shows, you know, who Vince is. And I, I saw him after the game and, you know, we, we connected. But what was great was the backup was like, man, I, I think he's messing with me. Right. Like, like, why Why would he say that? Like, is he is he going to take it easy? Is he going harder now? Like, what's going on? And the dude's mind was just blown. Like, the, why, why would he come up and say that to me? Like, it was awesome. You know who used to do that to me and get me? Would be done with Topeka for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. He was so nice. And so nice. You'd block him and he'd say, Great block, Eric. And I'm like, No, I want to hate you. For the next three hours, I want to hate you. Want to hate you. Stop saying that because I'm going to let my guard down. You're going to make a fool out of me. I know it. And in the whole game, I would have to be like, Dude, do not fall into this trap. He is baiting you right now. Don't get lured into it. He, uh, was, a good, he was a good player, too. Yeah, for sure. Strong guy. Yeah, yeah. Tough to move. Mm-hmm. You know, two down. Two-down guy. Definitely two-down guy. Yep. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, I wish I was a two-down <laughs> That would have been fantastic. Yeah. Take me out the field on Tap third and ten. Helmet, you know? Third and ten, I'm out. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Bring in the pass, the pass pro specialist on third and ten. Yeah, absolutely. Fill the audience in what you're up to now. I mean, I know being a husband and a dad is a full-time job in itself, and I'm I'm in that boat as well, but what else are you up to? Uh, so, the honest to God, that's really about all I got going on. I got uh, four little ones at home. Um, they've been keeping me busy. It, it's been a lot of fun, uh, you know, catching up on all the things that I missed along the way. Um, and from there, it's just kind of seeing what's out there. And that's kind of one of the fun things that, you know, as NFL um, players, you know, you hear all the time, like, oh, your transition. You know, after you're done playing, what are you doing next? And, um, you know, they, they really push it hard. And it, and it works well, I think, for a lot of guys. Um, but there's also, I think a small, um, handful of us that, you know, we get done and football was our passion and now that passion's over. Like, well, what's your passion? What do you want to do? And they're like, I don't know. Um, I want to do nothing for right now. And they're like, all right, that's okay mm-hmm. to say it is okay to say, I, you know what? I want to do nothing for a year and, you know, figure out what I want to do next. Like, and a lot of times you hear in the NFL, like no one ever talks about that. Like right. where it's always pushed to say, hey, you got to know what you want to do next. And, you know, there's some some uh, cases where it's just like, 
I don't know what I want to do next. I just want to sit, and I'll figure it out later. And there's a lot of people that get in trouble trying to force what's next because they want to get the same competition they had in the field in the business world. Mm -hmm. So they go get involved in real estate, or they go start a business, and they start throwing cash into something when they were already were financially secure, and they could have been a dad and been around their family more and really kind of – you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be right off in the sunset forever, but they get into it too fast before they learn the business and they blow their uh, nest egg. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden now you got to work again and do something you don't want to do. Now you, yeah. Now you're doing something that you, like you said, you don't want to do and you're stuck doing it and then you're miserable for your family and it's a whole big thing. And I think that's one thing that we're missing a little bit is that there are cases where it's okay to be like, I don't know what I want to do. Right. I don't want to do anything. I want to, you know, take some time and figure it out. Yeah, it, it drove me nuts in my first year out. And my and my career ending was a total surprise to me. I, You know, I was signed for the next two years with the Bills with mm. a front-loaded contract that they already paid me on. They likely <laughs> weren't going to cut me. Mm-hmm. It would, financially, it would worked out really well for me if they did. And But I would be sitting at a golf tournament or something, and people would say, what are you doing nowadays? And I'd say, oh, I'm not sure yet, just figuring it out. You know, we got little kids at home and had a son just born. They'd say, you're too young to be retired. I said, well, I didn't say I was retired. I'm just trying to figure <laughs> it out. Trying to figure it and, out. And uh, my CPA was riding with me and our head coach at the time, Bobby Petrino's golf tournament. I said, pay attention to how many people, how condescending everybody gets with me when I tell them I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, give me a break right now. And, and everybody was trying to be nice. I get it. And right. It's a conversation starter. I, I do it with other guys when I see them around when we were at that luncheon deal yeah. earlier. What are, you, what are you up to? But yeah. – when they say, I'm figuring it out, I say, good for you, man. You had an mm-hmm. awesome career. Not, man, <laughs> man, you're too young to do that. You, you better not sit at home too much. Those kids are going to drive you nuts. It's you like, should have had a plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't have a plan because I don't want a plan. And the guys that have too much of a plan while they're playing, they're going to get to that plan a lot sooner. A lot sooner. Because they're going to be worried about, hey, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm doing this business school i'm doing i'm getting ahead of my law degree okay well Mm -hmm. you're gonna be a lawyer a lot quicker than you needed to be and i have this conversation with guys you know people people will be like when you're done if you make 200 grand a year that is great money if you played one more season at five million dollars that's 25 years of doing your new job your new great job at 200 grand that's 25 years of income and you get to hold all that money and invest it Mm -hmm. go play one more year Go work out extra hard. Go take care of your body. Make the investment in your body and not necessarily take all these networking meetings or whatever you're doing to kind of waste your time. And that's kind of my my rant on that. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, it, 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 and it's good because, you know, like it, it's funny as, you know, you talk about being out and, you know, sitting there with the kids and everything. Uh, there was one where it really hit, really struck home. Uh, I'm sitting there. We have, uh, at the time, we had three kids, and uh, my wife goes, hey, um, so what, what do you got going on tomorrow? And I'm sitting there, and I was like, you know exactly what I have going on tomorrow. I have absolutely nothing going on. What do you want me to do? Right. And that's when I was like, uh, maybe I should find something to do, because, you know, this is, like, just running around might not be for me. But at the same time, it is a lot of fun. Like, I take my kids to school every morning, uh, and it's a neat experience being around uh helping out with the school um you know it, it's it, it's a good problem to have right and, and i want to do something work-wise eventually i just didn't want to rush into something and someone say you know so-and-so will give you a job and i'd say i know but i don't want to go sell real estate or i don't want to do this i, <laughs> I appreciate your offer no i don't want to come you know work in a dental I, you know it's like right. that's just not that's not what i want to do next but all right, so each week we do some 
recurring questions. Okay. And um, it's fun to compare these to uh, other guys that have been on the show. The first one is – Is this like lightning round? 30 seconds? Like uh, beep. You can go as long or as short as you want on these. All right, I'm ready to go. I'm in the hot seat. If all jobs in America paid the same, what would you do for a living? Uh, Architect. Architect. Have you always had a passion for that? Yeah, I started out in architecture in college. Uh, I was pre-arc for my freshman year. Um, And then spring football hit. And found out that architecture and football don't mix. Had to choose one. Football was paying the bills at the time, so uh, I switched to business. Nice. Good deal. What is your favorite book? Favorite book? Ooh, that's a good question. And you could give a couple if you got if you can't. Um, you know, that's difficult. I would say, uh, for me, uh, there's, you know, I really enjoy The Da Vinci Code. That was one book where it was kind of like the first style, that style of book that I'd ever read, and it just kind of sucked me in, uh, which was pretty neat. And so I enjoyed that one thoroughly. Um, Of Mice and Men is a good one. I read Um, that in high school, or at least the Spark Notes. The Spark Notes, of course. Um, (laughs) And I forgot about Spark Notes. Those were awesome. I know it. Yeah, yeah, but just read the Spark Notes. Um, Summer reading was destroyed by spark notes but then the teachers would read the spark notes and then give questions that would not be in there i'm assuming yeah because i because i got quit working. Yeah. yeah um but I, I would say those are two big ones of mine good deal what is the biggest lesson you've learned through your transition out of football uh biggest lesson i've learned out of football um is making sure there's time for me um you know with as busy as the NFL schedule is, there's there was always certain points in the week where I would have an hour where it was just me and, mm-hmm. and kind of uh, quiet and nothing else going on. Um, and so, you know, remembering to find those little times. Do you get that in the morning before the kids wake up, or where do you try and squeeze that? I squeeze it in in different – so I'll take the kids to school. So the walk back, you know, there's 15 minutes of, of my quiet time. Gotcha. Um, everyone – I told this story uh, – I forget who I was talking to, but uh, we were talking about quiet time and everything. And um, I was like, well, you know, sometimes I'll just go to Ace Hardware and I'll just wander around and I'll have people come up to me like, can can we help you find something? No, not really in looking for anything. I'm just wandering around and that's where I get my quiet time. And you're so recognizable. There's in New Jersey, I'm sure you get peppered there. Well, yeah, it, it's not so bad because it's our local one. So, uh, it, you know, we've been there nine years so it's it's, i'm uh, old news for those folks um so it's just it's kind of usually the catch-up oh how's the family how's the kids do you need help finding anything no i'm good all right have a good day right good deal and they know you're not you're not trying to be a prick you're just yeah i'm just there wandering yep what are you most excited about during your next chapter uh most excited about seeing uh the kids grow up you know it's uh it's neat seeing um where they are um, from when I was playing to, you know, where they are now, um, and to where they're going to go. And that, that's exciting for me. Good deal. I was going to guess that you were going to say that, which is a compliment. You know, you seem to be extremely family oriented. And, um, and I say that as a compliment and it's cool that your career ends when your little guys now eight and you're going to, and the rest of your kids are younger. You're going to be able to be there for everything. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And it, it, it's neat because he, you know, he was able to be around and be aware enough to, you know, pay attention to the games and everything. And so he knows, you know, what daddy did. 
but now as he's getting into his own football and getting into um, you know his own fandom, uh, it's neat seeing seeing it grow through his eyes, um, which he passes down. Even my little guy, my uh, three year old, who never saw me play, um, he knows Daddy played football. Yeah, like, and, and that's just known to him, which is pretty cool. Yeah, my my daughter's in the last year was kind of we're not going to buffalo i'm not going to hang out with my <laughs> friends in the neighborhood daddy doesn't play football anymore now it's like no daddy talks about football now you know <laughs> you know i gotta go to work but i'm not playing anymore i'm I'm talking about it so you're gonna let your sons play football yeah you know i figure uh, i'm not gonna force them into it uh i, I take the same approach as, as my parents took that they have to play something um and so he uh he did second grade flag football last year and, and he caught the bug. Um, he That's loved cool. it. He had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and so, you know, if he wants to play, um, you know, I'm not going to stop him. I seem to be doing all right right now. So, um, you know, as long as you're smart about it, as long as you're paying attention uh, to the kids, um, you know, I, I think it can be done well. For sure. And, and the game of football gave me, gave you so much. So uh, much more than just the physical activity. Yep. You know, the teamwork and, uh, you know, how to, to get 11 guys to do the same thing. Um, you know, there's so the discipline of it, you know, the accountability, there's Cultural so much more. diversity. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just unbelievable. All the stuff you can gain from football, financial security, you know, there's just so much stuff you can get. Yeah. I don't think he's going to make it. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, no. yeah, we, I, I, we both have been given so much through football. If your son's aggressive and he's big, it doesn't necessarily have to be big, but if he's aggressive and he wants to play, that's one thing. I played with kids growing up who didn't want to be out on the field, and their dads shoved him out there. Like that's not a great that's, idea, yeah, that's not because good. it's violent, and it's even violent at a young age. And the hits aren't huge, but they're mm-hmm. huge for these little kids, you right. know. So, and that's kind of my two cents on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, you see the kids out there that don't want to be out there, and that's that's not how it should be done, for sure. All right, we got a few fun questions. Um, what's your favorite restaurant? In the country, New, New Jersey, wherever, and where would you all go when you would come to Buffalo? Uh, so favorite restaurant um, right now, you know, I'm, that's a tough call. Uh, big fan of BLT Steak uh, in the city, in New try York that. City. Uh, it's good. Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, in Buffalo, it was the Chop House was our big one uh, that we'd go to, uh, and then every once in a while, someone would miraculously show up at bed check with some buffalo wings which were always a a staple of the buffalo trip like oh we're getting buffalo wings at bed check that's funny this is fantastic well in the one year you guys had dave and busters we did have dave yeah it worked (laughs) out well for us we talked about that before and after that that game the next day we were all pretty offended by that that was when rex was still there and Mm -hmm. pretty confident that y'all were going to come in and whoop us so we'll just take you all to Dave and Buster's but I, I know there was a backstory you all had been had lost a couple games said you need to loosen up yeah and it didn't work obviously um me and Fitz took you all to uh Mulberry Mulberry yeah that was good yeah uh we enjoyed that um that was a, you guys were walking in there like rock stars yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. fits most places in Buffalo. He he became a legend up there <laughs> quick. Yeah, he but, does that everywhere. Yeah, I, I enjoyed when you guys would come in, especially when Fitz was playing. I would get to, we would always talk before and after games, but then mm-hmm. we'd start hanging out the night before games when Fitz was there, and I always looked forward to that. Who was your favorite teammate or a couple favorite teammates you played with? Uh, the obvious one is uh, Debrickshaw Ferguson uh, coming in together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's we were able to see each other from college. Um, you know, we both saw each other get married and have kids. So it's, it's, uh, that's been a special relationship. Brandon Moore, 
longtime right guard for us, mm-hmm. um, a very underrated player uh, who unfortunately is stuck with the incident of the Thanksgiving fumble mm-hmm. uh, that we don't speak of. Uh, but Brandon is an amazing human. Um, you know, Mark Sanchez, uh, I got to you know know him. He's a great guy. Mark is a great um, dude. And, and so, um, you know, Fitz is, you know, he's a riot. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the young guys that I brought up, Matt Slauson, um, you know, he, he was an amazing player for us that, you know, um, kind of got screwed over. Um, you know, Brian Winters is playing there now. Um, he's one of my projects that, you know, as I see him out there, which I'm sure you had, you know, guys that you, uh, kind of took under your wing a little bit and yeah, I took to, Richie under my wing. Yeah, that worked. Um, <laughs> And so it, it's neat seeing him have a su- a, the success that he is, um, you know, knowing the work that was put in. So uh, there's been so many guys. I don't know if we have enough time to rattle them all off. No, that's cool. It's cool that you gave so many guys uh, their respects there. All right, quick ones. What was your first car? Uh, 1988 Chevy Suburban. Nice. Yeah, big boy. Big boy. I yeah, know. I was a, a 91 Honda Accord, so I was yeah, a little tight. That yeah, huh? yeah. Who's the most famous person in your phone? Ooh, that's a tough call. Um, yeah, I know there's a lot of them, but yeah, well, I know obviously I'm in New York. Uh, I would say probably the most famous Rachel Ray. Would super she count? Famous, yes. She's yeah, she's in the phone. Super famous. She's uh, awesome. Big Jets fan. She's fantastic. oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's been cool to know her. What was your first job? Uh, custodial engineer uh, at my old grade school in the summers uh, while I was in high school. What's the difference between a custodial engineer and a janitor? Absolutely nothing, but right. it sounds better. All right. That's what <laughs> I was trying to do the math on that in my head. Uh-huh. Like, it just sounds fancier. And what's your favorite movie? Gladiator. Nice. Yeah, Russell Crowe's amazing. That's awesome. Where can people find you on social media, and do you have a charity you're passionate about or something you want people to get behind? Uh, uh, I'm on Twitter, at Nick Mangold. Instagram is uh, Real Nick Mangold, I think. I don't know. I just signed up for that. Uh, I don't take any pictures, so that's um, – You're that, just stalking. That's been a, uh, a a tough one to try to manage and figure out because i got three little sisters, and so they're all, oh, Nick, join Instagram. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, yeah, clearly. Um, <laughs> and so then – uh, charity wise, you know, we, we try to help out the, as best we can around the city. Uh, the big one is answer the call. Um, they do a lot of work with, uh, the widows of, uh, first responders. That's neat. Um, same with, uh, tunnels, uh, or yeah, tunnels, the tower. Um, they're a nine 11 charity that helps out, uh, around the country. So, um, you know, being able to help out and, and give back to the people that, uh, you know, who leave the house every morning, not knowing that they're going to come back, uh, is a pretty big passion of mine. That's awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough for having, for coming on the show. Um, I know Jets fans, Bills fans are going to love to hear this. Um, it was so cool being in the division the entire time together. And uh, unfortunately, you, you were always making the Pro Bowl over me and everything else. But <laughs> We got together for one of them. We got together for one. Which, we had a blast. Which was really cool. We had a blast. We had a player rep meeting in Hawaii. That we, we had a player rep meeting. That, that we, was a good time. Yeah, we burnt that down. And uh, But it was always it was always awesome to see you. Um, compete against your teams and a ton of respect for you over the years and a guy who I, I looked up to you were three years ahead of me when you got drafted in the first round I said wow centers can get drafted in the first round I want to I want to be Nick Mangold and I tried to model pieces of your game I wasn't as strong as you so times I had to be a touch more <laughs> finesse or whatever it was uh, but a ton of respect for you your game who you are as a person and thanks for coming on I appreciate it it's awfully kind of you and uh, I really appreciate you having me on and being able to share this time together um, now I think it's time for whiskey let's do it
Throughout my NFL career, I worked with many custom clothing companies. Guys would come from around the country and set up shop in our facility and try and sell us clothes. And no one has compared to someone I work with locally in Louisville, Jordan Yoakum with Tom James. He is an expert concierge that can save you time. You know, I don't even have a full-time job right now, and it's hard for me to go to the mall and pick out clothes or to order something online, and it generally doesn't fit, and then I either got to go get it tailored or me and my wife got to go send it back. Put an end to that. Jordan works within a 100-mile radius of Louisville, Kentucky, and he will come to you with the clothes, and it's great. You can contact Jordan at j.yokum at tomjames.com or visit the website tomjames.com for more info. Let Jordan create a game plan with you for your wardrobe, just like we did preparing for NFL defenses, but instead of attacking defenses, you'll be attacking your next business meeting, wedding, or derby event in style. That's j.yokum, Y-O-C-U-M, at tomjames.com. And when you contact Jordan, make sure you tell him Eric Wood sent you. Thank you for listening to What's Next with Eric Wood, presented by Green Remedy. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate it five stars and subscribe. That goes a long way for us with this podcast. Tune in in a couple weeks for another new episode.